0: What's going on, people? It's your boy, Kalechi back with another episode of the Ramblin' Mind Podcast. How are each and every single one of y'all doing today? I hope y'all are staying safe. I hope y'all are taking care of yourself during these coronavirus periods. Guys, I hope we are literally taking all the precautions that we know we ought to take. Last week, I was celebrating the fact that things are getting better. We are going out more, but remember the clarification that I made last week when I said that people are going out more, but really it was the people who weren't getting vaccinated that was moving up and out and about and were going all over the place. Well, those numbers are starting to show in the number of cases that we have in the United States. The rolling seven day average is now above 60,000 and is continuing to rise we have dropped all the we had dropped all the way to below 50,000 cases in a rolling 7-day period. And however, because people started getting complacent again and people started being like, well, I'm just going to take my life into my own hands and do what I want to do, except the other problem is deaths are also beginning to rise as well. We had the CDC director Rochelle Walensky give a heartfelt press conference Warning of impending doom, those are not my words, those are her words, impending doom, if we do not keep taking the precautions we all know we need to take. Europe is already seeing a third wave, and as a matter of fact, Germany, France, Italy are already instituting another lockdown. Down, So please, guys, please take this precautions. Take all the precautions, you know, you ought to be taking. Stop being around people where almost, almost at the finish line, people are getting vaccinated. And even on that news, let's jump right into that. The good news is more and more people are taking the vaccine. The vaccine is now available to most people over the age of 16 in almost all states. 95 million people have received one shot of the vaccine, which is a little more than a third of the population here in the United States, and 53 million people have gotten both shots of the vaccine. And even more good news is the first real study of the Pfizer and Moderna vaccine shows an efficacy rate of 80% when you have one shot and 90% after you get the booster shot and also they help protect asymptomatic transmission. Asymptomatic is basically, you don't know you have it, but you're not gonna transfer it to your grandmother, which is awesome. And finally, even more good news, Biden announced that 90% of US adults will be able to get a vaccine within five miles of where they live by April 19, by increasing the number of pharmacies that can deliver the vaccine to about 40,000 pharmacies so that's all good news however however we still gotta take those precautions because it's not like it's everybody who's going to be able to take the vaccine or it's everybody who has the vaccine available to them right now so please keep taking the precautions you know you ought to be taking keep wearing your mask keep using hand sanitizers keep staying away from people this is not the time to be going to club i live in atlanta and people just seem like coronavirus no longer exists people are out in the club people are doing all kinds of nonsense people ain't wearing masks anymore people are just like i'm living my life i'm tired of waiting but we gotta keep taking these precautions not just because of ourselves we may be like oh i'm fine however there are other people that we may get around and we may give them the virus and you know unfortunately nobody wants anybody to die but if we don't take the precautions we know we ought to be taking we never know what might happen Moving on from all of that, one of the biggest news that happened last week that I wasn't able to cover because it happened after I had already done all my weekly update was the Suez Canal, which most of us never paid attention to, most of us didn't care about, some of y'all still have no idea what the Suez Canal is but it was like a massive news update. If you're anybody who pays attention to anything with the economy, if you pay any te- any attention to the stock market, this was like the biggest news. As a matter of fact, it wasn't just the big news in the stock market. It became a meme. It became part of meme culture for a while. It became the trending topic on Twitter, the trending topic everywhere. Everybody was talking about the Suez Canal and what is going on with the Suez Canal and why is a boat stuck in the Suez Canal? And it's like, just think of the worst kind of traffic that you have ever been in. Well, this is way worse than that because after a little sandstorm, a boat got stuck on on the in the Suez Canal and couldn't move any f- further. And this the boat is called the the Ever Given. The Ever Given was the name of the boat, and it got stuck and that boat is about the size actually it's bigger than the Empire State Building if you want to get an idea of just how big the boat is but let's talk about what is the Suez Canal Uh, the Suez Canal is one of the most important trade routes or shipping routes in the world it connects Asia all the way to Europe it's a nice shortcut that ships can take instead of having to go all the way around the Horn of Africa and then you know that adds an additional like six seven weeks if you have to travel that way but the Suez Canal is like a major artery that connects the the western part of the world to the eastern part of the world it makes travel and shipping much 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 faster about 10 percent of global shipping flows through the Suez Canal which seems inconsequential at first when you're like oh that's just 10% until you realize just how much 10% actually is we're talking about everything from crude oil I don't know if you've noticed, but gas prices kind of inched up a little bit recently. I think that might do have to do more with OPEC than has to do with actually supply, because we get supply here in the United States. But gas prices did go up a little bit. And in the last few weeks, gas prices is up about 37%. I've been feeling that gas price, man. I've been feeling it every time. Usually I can spend about $20 and fill my tank up. But recently, the last time I filled my gas up, it cost me about 30 something dollars. I was like, what? No way. I drive a Honda Accord, by the way. And it's like, what, no, never, but it cost me more. So it was like, I really felt the increase in the gas price this time around. Also through the Suez Canal, we have a lot of livestock that makes its way through that canal and semiconductors, which as you guys know right now, or I assume everybody knows, semiconductors are like really hot stuff. Like we're seeing a lot of car manufacturers have to shut down their entire operation because they don't have the chips that they need to be able to keep building the cars, by the way, Cars use a lot of chips nowadays. There's a lot of systems in a car that need chips in them. In other words, we're basically all driving computers on will with all the sensors that we have in our cars nowadays. All those sensors require chips to be in there to be able to regulate whatever it has to regulate. So basically everything that we need on a daily basis flows through that canal. And as you guys know, supply and demand, when supply is low and demand is high, then price is going to go up. So it was very, very much a big deal when this ship got stuck. You also have to remember that we have, like I said, we've been in a logistical nightmare with basically due to the pandemic, everything is on delays upon delays upon delays. About 450 ships were stuck due to this one ship losing its way and getting stuck however after much digging and pulling and shout out to the moon because if not for the moon giving us a high tide that ship will still be stuck but finally early on monday morning that ship was freed and now all those ships just can start chugging along but that brings on another problem because by the time these ships all get to the port basically at the same time we're gonna have another log jam at the ports and so it's gonna take some time for the the chaos to subside because there's a lot of backlog already at a lot of the ports that we have all around the world so um but the other thing you have to think about is if the ships if all those 450 ships had to travel around the horn of africa they would have faced two massive problems. One problem is increased travel time and increased fuel cost. Because unlike when we use Waze and Waze Waze reroutes us, and it just adds an extra like 15 minutes to our trip, and maybe adds an extra like 10 miles to our trip or something, this is completely different. On the ocean, if you get rerouted, that's like an extra three weeks, an extra 6,000 plus miles, which can cost up to $300,000 according to the morning brew. So I'm just saying like this is not the same if this ship was stuck there for another week and a lot of these guys had to take a reroute and plus on top of it around the Horn of Africa that it's been known to house a lot of pirates and we are not talking about your Peter Pan kind of pirates. We're not talking about your Johnny Depp kind of pirates. We're talking about real pirates who got them rocket launchers and ain't afraid to use it. And they're going to come for you, especially when they know you have a lot of cargo on your ship. And as a matter of fact, a few ships are taking that daring mission around the Horn of Africa. But they've asked for help from the U.S. Navy and a couple of other uh, world militaries to help guide them as they make that trip. Luckily, like I said, everything worked out and you can still receive your two day order from Amazon rather than logging in and saying like, oh, it's all sold out. We don't have any more. So that's all the good news on that side of things moving on from there we gotta talk about Oluwa Bidemi Joseph hey Oluwa Joseph Bidemi if you don't know who I'm referring to that is Biden if you are Nigerian this is the name that we have dubbed president biden he is no longer president biden his name is olua joseph bidemi that's his new name that's his name that's what i call him if you've never heard the podcast before that is the name that we have given this man because the name joseph biden eh, it's it's okay it's okay it's a okay name but it's not the kind of name that you give to somebody that's entering into proper position you know what i mean you know what i mean all my ninja people say hey We'll talk about Ninja Distinita later on in the podcast. There's something else we got to talk about at the end of the podcast. But anyway, he revealed his infrastructure plan to spend $4 trillion. My guy is swiping that presidential black card like it ain't no man's business. You have to also remember, we just had that stimulus package where he doled out $1.9 trillion. And my guy is like, no, 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 I'm not done yet. we spending another $4 trillion. We're putting another $4 trillion into this economy because I am not finished yet. I am going to be one of the presidents that you shall remember in history. He didn't say all of that. I'm putting that in his mouth. but Basically, that's part of why he's doing all of this stuff. But anyway, he had a speech in Pittsburgh. When you guys will be hearing it, it's gonna be yesterday. When I'm listening to it, it was today where he revealed all the different parts of the plan. Major focus of the plan was slowing down climate the, the climate crisis. I don't know why i can't talk right now and also he reduce and also to reduce economic inequality and the plan is going to be in two stages the first part of the plan is just what i mentioned and the second part is going to be on health and education now down to the details of the plan as a matter of fact if you are watching this on youtube i'm gonna share an article on my screen so you guys if my computer would work so you guys can see exactly what i'm talking about so we're gonna start sharing it so in the new plan because i also need my notes so i'm gonna put this down there in the new plan it's gonna institute a few things it's gonna be broken down into four buckets transportation home care and research and development he wants to spend six hundred and twenty-one billion dollars for standard physical infrastructure such as road bridges homes public transportations and those kind of things. However, the reason why the number is so high is he wants to include a lot of addition into electric vehicles. He wants electric vehicles to become more prominent, especially for government vehicles. And he also wants to build out a fleet of electric charging stations. This is why if you you pay attention to the stock market, you've seen EV stocks kind of take off all of a sudden is because of this proposed this proposal by uh biden the next thing that he wants to do is to have a hundred billion dollars for investing in internet broadband in in internet broadband access i don't know what they were doing before because really the guy uh ajit Pai, i think is his name that was over the fcc which is the federal communications commission he came out and said some nonsense that they still believe that 21 megabytes download is still sufficient in this day and age 21 meg? are you kidding me like dog we on zoom calls all the time we trying to watch youtube when we're supposed to not be watching youtube because we're supposed to be working but we're doing all of this stuff and you're trying to tell me that 21 megabytes is still sufficient dog you must have lost your goddamn mind oh sorry you know well, you must have lost your mind talking about 21 megabytes is still sufficient in this day and age but anyway he also wants to spend hundred billion dollars to update the electric grids especially after everything that just happened in texas texas is not the only state that is behind on improving their grid however texas has other issues namely the fact that they're deregulated which is a whole other dis- discussion that we can have another day the next thing is 213 billion a billion dollars to to address economic equality by modernizing school buildings such as uh, to modernize school buildings and VA hospitals. In other words, basically, it's time for us to start paying attention to those who are marginalized and underserved in a lot of communities. In case you don't know how school gets their funding, it's all based on your tax code. It's all based on how much money in your tax bracket that you're bringing in is how much money and how well your school is going to be doing. So if you live in a good side of town, guess what? You're going to be getting a nice little education. If you don't live in a good side of town, you're going to probably have some old textbooks that need to be updated because they're way behind. So he's doing something about that, spending about $213 billion to update a lot of those things. The next one is something he likes to dub the care infrastructure, where he plans to spend $400 billion to expand access to home or community care for people with aging relatives or those with disabilities. I don't know if anybody has noticed, but we have a lot of old people that are getting a lot older because a lot of people are living the workforce because baby boomers, they're getting old. Really, really old, and they're living the workforce. And part of that is you have a lot of family members who don't have the money to be able to support that family member. And there's those kind of things they're trying to do something about. The next thing is he wants to spend a $100 billion for workforce development targeted at low income and underserved communities. Low income and underserved communities, part of the world that basically has been ignored. Like, if we go back to what I was saying about the schools. These are part of the things that we've just kind of like left them in the dust and we're like, do whatever. We don't really care about you. But also you have to remember that we're moving into a new age. One of the things that people keep talking about is the reason some of the biggest industries in the United States is, and some of the biggest hirers of people to work or employers, that's the better word, employers in the united states is the service industry and when i talk about service industries i'm talking about restaurants i'm talking about all the things that we tend to ignore like cashiers at uh, walmart and cashiers and those kind of industries those are some of the most the highest employment industries and right now we're going through a phase where that is being phased out aided especially By the pandemic, where we've been talking about it for a while, a lot of those jobs are not coming back. So, in order to help the development, because one thing you always have to remember when it comes to GDP, when it comes to economic growth, it's not down to just them spending money in the economy, it's productivity. Productivity is the way that an economy is able to grow faster and bigger and bigger and bigger. And an easy way for the government to be able to spur on productivity is to tool people with the right skills to be able to do the right kind of work. And so that's why he wants to spend $100 billion to start to redevelop and retool the workforce for the future rather than what we have going on right now. So the question that everybody may have is, how is this going to play out? What is it going to look like in the future? This is being touted as an historic investment in the country on the level of the new deal that FDR brought to life, which... Brought things like social securities and some of the things, some of the safety net things that we have today, and helped the country come out of the Great Depression. FDR is one of Biden's. He said it multiple times. is one of Biden's heroes. So if he can be somewhere in line with FDR, Biden is going to be very happy. S&P Global Research. If you don't know who they are, they do a lot of research, especially on business, economy, and those kind of things. S&P Global Research predicts Biden's infrastructure plan will create 2.3 million jobs. By 2024, and raise the per capita income by $2,400. Lawrence Baxter, director of the Global Financial Markets Center at Duke, compares Biden's proposed new program to, to new to New Deal initiatives like the Blue Ridge Parkway that created a battle a battle unemployment following the great depression we just talked about that a little bit i'm terrible at reading i don't know why i can't read right now it is important to note that for as much as it is it seems like spending is going back to normal the economy seems to and the economy seems to be doing very well that is not actually the case right now according to the census bureau's latest household pulse survey more than 9 million renters are behind on their rent payments and at and are at risk of being evicted with around 11% of renters saying that they have no confidence that they'll be able to pay next month's rent. This is by a study found by Axios. The Census Bureau also found that about 19.2% of US adults are expecting a loss of un- a loss of employment income in the next 4 weeks. While 11%, 10.7% said they don't have enough to eat. So there's a lot going on in the economy that we may not be seeing in our own view because we're on YouTube and YouTube looks like everybody's making money on YouTube. That's not necessarily the case. There are still a lot of people who are struggling in this economy. And so your follow-up question may be, how are we gonna pay for all of this, huh? How are we gonna pay for all this? That's $4 trillion, we already had $1.9 trillion and before that, we already spent like $5 trillion. What you mean, how are we gonna pay for all this stuff? It's simple, I'm glad you asked answer is taxes well not for everybody not increased taxes for everybody but biden intends to as part of this infrastructure package to increase uh, corporate taxes from 21 percent back to 28 percent for at least the next 15 years to incentivize businesses to keep their money in the states and continue business here he is proposing a global minimum tax which we talked about last week So the other thing he's also proposing is to increase taxes on the wealthiest population of the United States, those who make more than $400,000 a year. And even the increase is just increasing it from 37% to 39.6%. From a macroeconomic perspective, we're breaking this thing down from every single angle, baby. We're breaking this thing down everywhere. (laughs) From a macroeconomic perspective, there is fear that this will cause inflation to get out of control. However, some economics believe that that we should not worry about that right now. Inflation fears is not something we should worry about because for the last two decades, we have been in a state of stagnation. If you don't know what stagnation is, it's basically where prices of goods and services are not going up and matching the rate of growth or we're not growing that quickly. It's believed that if we can get back some inflation, we'll be able to grow at a 4% rate where we've been stagnating at about a 2% rate. Stagflation is not good because that's the reason why income has not been going up. If if we don't have any inflation, income doesn't go up. You keep making the same money. You can't buy as much stuff. Not good. Um, so inflation, I just talked about that. Those, uh, those same economists also believe that we will finally move away from monetary stimulus that as our way to do much of helping and move more into fiscal stimulus a more a balanced approach which will help meter out the gap that we've been seeing in the last 20 to 30 years of the k-shaped recovery that we've had over and over again if we look at 2008 and then if we look right now in 2020 after the recessions that we had both times it's been a k-shaped recovery where those on the lower end keep going lower and lower and those on the high end keep making more and more and more and more money so that's just a few things to note as far as this whole proposal where do I stand on it I like it because I believe that infrastructure and finding new ways of developing out our society is key if we're going to try and find new ways of building more productivity, like I said earlier. So I like it. Will this whole thing get passed? It's unlikely to get passed as it is, mainly because there's a lot of Democrats that are like, yo, we need to get do we need to finagle some more things in here there's a lot of other stuff that we don't really want in here and you know as everything comes down in politics it's just about putting out some kind of nonsense narrative any way but anyway that's all i got for that one uh moving on from there and speaking continuing our talk on macroeconomics, <clears throat> there is a fear that we will uh that due to the my bad there's a ser- there's a fear that due to the pandemic The wage gap in the United States will not close for another 61 years due to the pandemic, like I said just a second ago, based on a study by the World Economic Forum. And on the global stage, the wage gap will not close for another 135 years. We've talked about it before, but the pandemic hit women in the workforce a lot harder. they hit any dude in the workforce because a lot of women had to either stop working or they had to start looking at their children a lot more and that limited their potential opportunities at work or limits their potential opportunities at work but anyway moving on and let's close out with some fun stuff the expectation that biden was going to be super soft on china well that thing flew all the way out the window the US Trade Representative Catherine Tai says that the US isn't ready to lift tariffs on Chinese imports in the near future, but might be open to trade uh, to trade negotiations with Beijing, meaning that the trade war that we were all talking about from 2019 into 2020 is still very much on and very much strong. The next topic we're going to talk about is just companies trying to be relevant and being dumb. Companies trying to be relevant and trying way too hard way too hard so volkswagen volkswagen i don't know how you say volkswagen released the name of their u.s operations moving forward and they called themselves volkswagen with a V-O-L-T-S wagon like why why are y'all trying this hard like why and then we later on find out that that the whole thing was a pr stunt for april fools and the problem is april fools is not a week long you can do this on one day not the entire week so i mean it's just uh, they trying so hard they trying so hard to be part of the global conversations they were already part of the global conversations. i don't know why they had to go try this hard but anyway what do i know i'm just a guy who talks about money on youtube and everywhere else which by the way if you're not listening to watching this video on youtube you should go check that thing out but anyway Moving on from there, we'll talk about Amazon, which continues to face, go up against unionization in Alabama. We don't know the final count of that just yet, but we will get news of that coming up in a couple of days. And I will update everybody about that probably next week when they reveal if the Amazon warehouse in Alabama is going to unionize, which will mean that other Amazon warehouses and other Amazon locations will unionize as well. Robinhood is review, removing confetti from its app as it tries to distance itself from its gamified nature as it is going public relatively soon so that it doesn't have to face all kind of nonsense questions from the SEC. And then finally, 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 all my ninja people, all my ninja people, making you not get up, make you not get up, make you not stand up. In fact, just start giving ovation, just start clapping and giving ovation because... They do something inside this country. oh We they do something inside this country. Nobody play. Like the thing where we do for inside here. Hey, nobody play at all at all. Adewale Adeyamo. And I'm not calling him by Wally. Waiting me, this one. This one no be movie. We need to call this one Wally. I go call his name proper. Adewale Adeyamo. He just got confirmed as the deputy secretary of the Treasury he will play a key role in shaping us economic policy on issues ranging from financial regulation to relief for everyday americans and us sanctions on foreign government so i mean it's going to be great we have another nigerian in taking another major step we last week or a few weeks ago maybe a month ago or so ago we talked about, I forgot her name by now. I don't even remember her name, but she's taking over the world government and that's going to be dope. And it's just great to see Nigerians just hitting different levels. You know, we are, we are very wonderful people. We are very great people. So they should come out and respect us. But anyway, that's all I got for y'all in this episode. I hope y'all learned one, maybe two things out of this entire thing. And if you did hit that subscribe button and go check me out on every other platform, reach out to me all that good stuff. Share this podcast with somebody that you love or even somebody that you li- you hate. Share and review it on any of the platforms that you're listening to this thing on. If it's negative, I'm going to ignore it. Not really. I'm going to read it. I want every feedback that I can possibly get to make this thing better. But I'm going to catch y'all up on the next one. Remember, generosity is always greater than greed. God bless each and every single one of y'all. And we out of here. Ice!